0: How is it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we interview innovative founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I am super stoked to be talking to the CEO and co-founder of Golden, Jude Gomilla. Jude, how's it going?
1: I'm good. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing really well. I'm excited to be talking to you and learning more about what you're working on with golden, uh, to start, um, I'd love to hear like, you know, a little bit about you and your background and then we can dive, you know, right into golden.
1: Sure. Yeah. Thanks for hosting me by the way and reaching out. So, um, just some quick backgrounds on myself. So originally from, from the UK, i born in London, switched over to San Francisco around 10 years ago to do Y Combinator. So I, I, I came out on a plane and didn't really have any money. Didn't really have a proper visa and, um, didn't have a ticket into Y Combinator, but decided that resolutely that I wanted to get into Y Combinator and do a company down in the valley. So, um, spent the summer of 2008 out, out here, um, hanging out with different Y Combinator founders. There was a lot of interesting stuff happening at the time, like Dropbox and Airbnb. And we managed to get into the batch, um, in, in 2008, uh, for 2009, uh, winter batch, which was amazing. And that, that really kicked off the last ten years of of um, working on startups and and getting in getting baked into the into the valley.
0: All right, that is that that's awesome. I'd love to hear um, a little summary over about what it's been like in the last ten years, and then uh, most recently, as of twenty seventeen, what your most recent startup is, Golden.
1: Sure. So um, the last the last 10 years for me, well, we got into YC and we got a company called Up and that was a mobile advertising platform. We, we watched a lot of interesting things happen in the Valley chain, you know, things changed. Um, tech went really super mainstream. Um, San Francisco itself changed in, in huge ways and, and general technology, um, became, you know, every single company kind of became a tech company in a sense. Right. So, um, we made that company, sold it in 2016, to, a, to a, a public public company, and along the way, I was I was investing in different startups. So, I ended up attending every single Y Combinator um, demo day, taking detailed notes on all these different startups, advising different companies, and getting involved in a wider wider set of companies. And this this kind of led me down the path as well of doing lots of research into technologies and I'd always been excited in, you know, about different kinds of, um, ideas, concepts in physics and mathematics and biology. And, you know, this, this gave me the opportunity to get involved in synthetic biology and space companies and, um, like Astranus and relativity space and Ginkgo Bioworks, and also more kind of useful tools that people use for their own companies like Gusto and Carter and I ended up backing up, backing a lot of these companies. So along the path, along the way, um, I kept noticing a complete distinct lack of information that was compiled around these kind of companies and technologies and the profiles around the executives and the scientists. and this this led me down the the in a sense a rabbit hole of thinking, hey, could we could we build a new knowledge base um, that would be the the next answer to canonical knowledge being compiled and accessible for everybody in the world and all companies? So I started deeply thinking about that in the background, actually for the last seven years, and my brain was just ticking over it, architecting what it could be. And then in, after the earnout of the previous startup, I started working on it full time, and started you know pitching the the kind of vision to, to various different minds around the world and Silicon Valley and people that have attempted things in the past as well, like Freebase and other people that had built built um, interesting nuggets and and gathering kind of feedback and shaping the pitch, and then we started building it and working on it and then we we took it live with golden.com and it's live today um it seems to be working
0: all right so golden.com a a modern knowledge base so so what if someone went to golden golden.com today and landed on your homepage? what can they do what would they be what would they see how would they navigate around around golden
1: yeah, so Golden, on the on the main um, homepage, if you go through to the explore section, you can see some of the areas that we've tried to map out. So we've we've been pretty interested in in mapping out particular areas of interest. Maybe it's blockchain and cryptocurrency technologies and uh, companies, or stem cell technologies and companies, uh, microbiome information, bio, biotech startups at large, synthetic biology, quantum computation. We tried to map out a lot of the most innovative. Um, technologies and companies out there and produce interesting pages so if you go and search for example for Neuralink um, that interesting company from from um, for computer brain connections um, you will you know by Elon Musk and uh, Max Hollick you will see a pretty decent canonical page on that which we believe is you know one of the most canonical pages on that company and it points out to all the different blog blog posts and um, various different Other kinds of metadata that you would want to read to get full context of of what this thing is So so what you can do there is you can you can edit the site now You can actually go and you know put something in that we may uh, be missing or maybe you find something that's slightly incorrect And you want to go correct it or maybe you want to play around with the AI generated suggestions So we have we actually trying to use NLP and machine learning to to help give a lot of leverage to the users And rather than, I mean, Wikipedia started 18 years ago, right? So, the if you were going to start to try and build a new knowledge base today, um, you know, how would you do it? You would definitely want more leverage. Um, You would rewrite the rules in terms of what is notable, what is allowed on the on the website um, to be much more inclusive of every single different kind of uh, thing out there. And go, you know, we argue that we're trying to get the 1,000x larger in terms of the entity space than Wikipedia, and we do this by removing the notability requirement. Um, so we, we care about if something exists and it doesn't have to be notable necessarily to, to get onto gold and we just want it to be accurate. So the users can can take part, they can read, they can follow topics, they can also um, edit the topics as well. And then we also have tools for, for paying customers if they want to query the information either on an API or if they want to use a query tool to try and investigate um, the data programmatically we, we also have tools as well for companies.
0: How do you think about indexing, or that might not be the right word, but there's so much knowledge to be had and so much knowledge to document. How do you think about getting all the world's knowledge onto Golden, or is that not necessarily the goal?
1: Yeah, so I, I think all the world's knowledge is a tricky one, right? So we're talking every single academic paper, every single pattern, every data set. And so we're not trying to get absolutely everything, but we do want to have a central structure that around entities and these entities might be a company, a concept in academia, a technology, a person, a scientist, a location. So we're keen on getting the information around the entities and then pointing to other places on the web where there may be more detailed information. It might be someone's opinion on on something a a recent blog post it might be this podcast that we're that we're we're working on this interview that we're working on right now so we're keen of not trying to index absolutely everything in terms of all the individual pieces of data because that that could be possibly an intractable problem that could be maybe impossible to do who knows um but what we what we do want to do is have a central place to, to to be able to poll you know give me all the, the the regenerative medicine companies in the world or give me every single founder that has a PhD that was born in uh, New Delhi um, who's working on regenerative meat companies or maybe I want to find all podcasts um, around you know black hole theories and 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 this this stuff to me that, that should be quite programmatic in the way that you should be able to get to that so when you when you talked about search earlier we're not trying to replace search engines because if you look at search breakdown, you know, maybe 10 to 20% of search is around trying to find an entity, like a specific thing. And the rest could be, you know, what time is my flight? What when when's the next bus? What's the cheapest like x, y, z? We're not trying to do um, the other kind of 80% of search cases. So I do think we, we've, we've deliberately tried to put a ring fence around the mission of what we're trying to do to make it not um, All-consuming or too unfocused and actually make it more realistic and I think you know if we look at wikipedia There are many topics that we would love to see um, You know out like covered cupboards that couldn't that f- fly below the notability threshold normally So we're thinking around 10 to 20 billion entities of things And it's not every mapping out a label for every single atom or subatomic particle in the universe which would be the most extreme version, right?
0: One thing I'm interested in is, you know, just earlier today, or it might have been yesterday, I was um, adding to the knowledge base in the future of work section. I was also adding uh, some podcast episodes to relevant areas of Golden. And I got an email a couple of hours later saying, um, in AI adjusted something I said uh, um, for, 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 for a certain reason. I'd love to hear how you're using AI to help with the efficacy of Golden and um, kind of how you're using technology to, to make sure Golden is as successful as it can be.
1: Sure, so so um, I'll walk through the AI part and then maybe walk through the kind of wider technology part as well because I, th- I think both come hand in hand um, and there are aspects outside of the NLP side, like for example, really good UI that help remove friction uh, for users editing the site. So I'll walk through a couple of different parts. So we built a WizardWig editor that is pretty easy to use. So we tried to remove all the friction out from the editing process from your side. We added uh, keyboard commands so you could navigate the site and operate in a, in a pretty fast way. We've added um, components of AI as well into the editor experience so you can extract information from documents and they, they may be URLs, mostly URLs. So if you want to extract an event to build a timeline around an entity. So say you've got an entity um, as in yourself or your own company or someone else's company, you can point to that URL and we can extract an event from that URL. So that's one kind of instance of using AI. So there are algorithms that you do event detection. So given some text on a website, which might be a TechCrunch article about SoftBank raising a $2 billion fund, there are algorithms that can look at that text and try to say, hey, something, some event has occurred here and the event has a date on it and the event has a title of the event, and the event has some text that summarizes what happened in this event. So inside there, like, so that's a specific um, algorithm that would be event detection that would help you build a timeline around an object, around an entity, right? And, and um, another algorithm that I mentioned there was summarization, so there may be some text out there that summarizes what, um, sorry, that's talking about a subject, right? So say you're trying to write about um CRISPR CAS9, a particular you know variant of CRISPR. And um you've got an article that that talks about it. So summarization would would effectively take that article and pull out the most important sentences. Um, and then you're onto like more complex territory where maybe you want to rewrite the sentences into a canonical um form. So this would be, you know, uh, linguistic kind of you know kind of style transfer people have done this in images You may have seen some of these images that where they take an image and they do it in the style of a Picasso or a Monet So you can do this and this is like pretty pretty interesting stuff. You can do this for um, Effectively doing a style transfer of saying, okay This has been written in a journalistic style the facts inside the prose and inside the sentences still are Valid facts. It's just this, the style is the wrong style for an encyclopedic Um, entry so you can you can work on a style transfer where you can you can do what we what we talked about with the image where you're transferring one image style to another image style you could do that with text right where you where you transfer the style into another style so that and into a a, a canonical encyclopedic style so that that would be another algorithm um, to 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 give you some specific examples another algorithm might be that you're just trying to detect something in the first place so say you're watching the news and you've got an rss feed and Golden, Golden looks at the web, and we, we look at news, and you're, you're seeing this thing, Neuralink, being mentioned over and over again. Neuralink, Neuralink this, Neuralink that. So there are algorithms that um, effectively can, can detect a topic. And they can say, there's something here in this text that we've never seen before, And it's Neuralink, and it keeps coming up over and over again. So what you can do, either you can train the algorithms to be good enough to just go and do it and create the topic Neuralink, or if you're not sure, you can let humans get involved and you give them the suggestions, and you can say, hey, we've got a suggestion. We think Neuralink is a new topic. Do you want to create a topic for it? And that, that can allow humans to sign off on that, and they can say yes or no, and you can build voting mechanisms around it to make it accurate and statistically significant. So... So that, that's, an, that's an example of finding something in the first place to go cover. And then once you know what it is, there's, there's the other component of taxonomic detection of saying, what is this thing? What is Neuralink? Is Neuralink a company? Is Neuralink a venture capital firm? Is Neuralink a person, a technology, a product, a piece of software? No, it's a company. So you can start looking at the text and you say, well, the text is mentioning there's a CEO. The text is mentioning there's a location. And there's the text is mentioning things that are pointing towards it being company. And you can write um, specific AR algorithms to detect just saying whether it's a company or a different different class of things. So Golden has a bunch of different templates to say what something is. So if you, if you indicate it's a, it's a company, well, a company has a location, normally a CEO, it has a board, it has investors sometimes. So it comes with all these properties. So once you know that this entity, this, this topic Neuralink has, is a company. You can then say, well, we need to find out what the CEO is. So you can go back to the, back to the links and back to the URLs and say, is the CEO mentioned there? And it's Max Hotic. So um, it gets mentioned in the text. And then once again, you can suck it in. So when I'm I'm building up to there, it's saying you can construct the structured data around the entity and pull that in. And you can start to summarize text and you can start to kind of flesh it out and you can start to build up this information and with a combination of the AI and humans helping out, helping the AI out where the AI fails or, you know, adding stuff that we we're missing right now. We don't have algorithms for yet. And it, and it's going to, it's going to be a, a long process, you know, to write all the different algorithms up. And, um, I think it's good timing actually from a kind of perspective and what's happening in the market.
0: I'd love to actually dive into to the last point you said, what about um, now at this point in time makes uh, golden good timing to exist sure so um,
1: last year there's been some pretty interesting changes um in terms of the the algorithms out there um the the problem that i, I talked about the taxonomic detection of detecting what something is um there was movement there's been movement on that problem set um and you know open ai have done some really good work as well with with gpt2 and and the um and writing texts like writing natural language with AI and um, We I think when you look at all the different algorithms required to build this build this company and, and solve the different parts of the problems Some of them have already been done in the past and some of them are on the edge right now But the, the market's moving pretty fast and the research is moving quite quickly so from a timing perspective if we said hey, let's, let's zoom this back ten years ago I would have said, mm, probably too difficult. Um, and, it, you know, there, if you remember Freebase and MetaWeb and Google bought, got, uh, got Freebase and they became kind of a Google Knowledge Graph, um, that was focused around, like, pulling out facts into these triples. And that that was where, you know, that kind of reflected in a way, like maybe where the algorithms were or the practical algorithms were. So I think now we're looking at a good timing from from the overall problem set that we see to do it because, you know, obviously when we say, Oh, we want to use AI to do it, that, is, that can be a catchall for a lot of companies. Just saying, we got, we, we got this magical black box and we don't know how to figure out the problem. Right. Um, whereas we think we've cracked open, open the box. And, um, we think, you know, it, this is, this is, this is a, this is a doable problem. It's, it's obviously ambitious and, and a, a risky, a risky endeavor, which is the fun part, um, to take something that is, that has not been pulled off before and, is, is non-trivial and exciting
0: intellectually and, and, and for society
1: as well, and companies.
0: I think that's that's fascinating and it's awesome to watch it unfold, you know, literally as, as things get built out within Golden. Something that I'm curious about is you said that Golden is listening to what's going on, you know, in the world and on the internet. Uh, but it it probably, I mean, I, I, I'm assuming it doesn't have it's not listening to everything that's happening all at once in the whole world. So how do you know, um, what, how does golden know what to listen for? Um, and uh, how does it know what not to listen for? Cause it probably can't cover every event that's happening right now. You know?
1: Yeah. So we, we've tried to be very focused in our, in the build out of the information, right? So we're not building out sports information right now and celebrity information. So we're not plugging into everything. We're being very tactical on what we're trying to plug into because if you plug into everything well, you're going to have a lot of noise, you're going to have a lot of, you're going to have too much information to deal with. Right. So we're, we're being very tactical on trying to collect like commercial scientific and industrial information first and primarily, and we think that's a great place to start and it's high value. It's useful. It's really good for the world. And, and that, so we plugged into sources that are around that stuff. And when we say, listen to things, let's call it like, we're reading the news, we're looking at different websites. Um, It's not, you know, it's all public information that we're connecting into and, um, except in some cases of people, you know, effectively donating data in, um, or sharing or sharing the data with us. So, um, we don't, we're not, we're not interested in like private data. We're more, we're much more interested in extremely fragmented public information that is just everywhere, like spread over the web and, you know, loosely compiled and loosely indexed in some places. It might be stuck inside an academic paper. It might be stuck inside a PDF. It might be stuck inside a website footer. It might be stuck inside an about page. Or um, so I'm interested in in getting this this data that's really fragmented and try and compile it into like a useful queryable form where you can you can just get to it at your fingertips and and you know somewhat try and solve maybe the lensing problem eventually where. You know, different kinds of users need different levels of data. You know, if you're reading about the Riemann hypothesis and you're a PhD in the subject, you're going to need something deeper than if you've never heard about about it before. And you you know, you're you're pretty early on math. Then the Riemann hypothesis is pretty tough to get into. You might need to know, you know, what complex numbers are, or you might need to know what a graph is to start off with. So there's different kinds of ways of then laying. There's like a collection of the information problem, which is you know you could argue what the hardest part. And then there's the display problem of how do you display this in the way that is most useful for individuals for learning and most useful for companies trying to get access to information
0: as well. So I'd love to know what does a dec a decade from now, what does the future look like with golden as the primary knowledge base or, or two decades from now, like paint kind of the future that you're trying to, to create for us.
1: I actually really love that question because that is like kind of where I want to be tomorrow. I want to say 10 years from now, how do we get the, I want that tomorrow, but that's, that's hard work has to be done. Right. And a lot of stuff has to be done. So let's say, let's paint a future, maybe um, a decade from now, we could have maybe a hundred million topics or maybe even a billion topics filled out in full. And this information would be, you know, we, we, I would hope that we would have done multi-language by then. Um, we, We started off in English and we want to prove out, that we can do like large scale in in a language first and then we want to go multi-language. So hopefully we get multi-language there. Um, I hope that we've automated out all the most boring tasks for humans to do where the most exciting stuff might be even that they can leave their opinions on the canonical information. And, you know, rather than them um, having to work on the consensus canonical information, they they're really living, leaving opinions on sentences and hashing out details on, validity of claims right Um, I would have hoped that we would have gone um, down the rabbit hole a little bit as well um, going deeper in terms of validating claims and getting to and maybe we would have the platform even would have solved some problems where people would have just argued out um, you know a particular problem set and come to some useful conclusion Um, I would hope that we would have mapped out interconnectivity between all these topics and all the academic papers Um, possibly all the patents as well I don't Really care too much for hands, um, and we can talk about that later if you want to. Um, and you know, um, the I think on the commercial side, like we're, we're booting up a lot of paying customers that want to access the information in a programmatic way and in a bulk way. So I would think that we would have a thriving commercial business with serving the top um, companies of the world and using that money to reinvest back into the company, back into the mission, the North Star, back into the algorithms and the user experience. I would have hoped we would have touched the lensing problem a little bit where, you know, depending on what kind of user you are, you're seeing different kinds of data, which would be very interesting. That might be more in that second decade, right? So if we, if we come over to that second decade, then, you know, customizable learning is pretty interesting to me, where if you go to a page and you're reading about something, it doesn't have any knowledge about what you know in your brain and the sentence doesn't really change, um based on what you know ideally every word you would read it would be kind of following your learning curve on an individual basis of like hey you're about to read a word you've never seen before you instantly need that tab opened and more context about that word and you know there's memory memory dynamics right of like okay well i need to see that word next week and then three weeks from now and then a few months from now whatever the dynamics are there to, in order to allow you to remember and learn quicker so i think there's a lot of interesting stuff on speed of learning, accessibility of the information, breadth and depth of the information, maybe we'll be pulling in more data types like images um, around, around these objects and um, really kind of mastering and getting all the kind of data um, in there, um, building stronger kind of audit logs and making backups as well. A lot of things I've, I've, I've scanned, you know, Wikipedia in the past and i found like a lot of um, links are broken as link rot um, for citations and it's a real shame because you, you know, some of the most niche interesting information. Sometimes you just can't get it And and, and I would hope as well there's a convergence on more real-time information things that are changing very quickly Are always hard to maintain right they have a they have a high sh- um, Half-life and and these fa- half-lives um, mean that updating updating it uh, Has to become more real-time as things are changing like the worst case being a stock price, right? um so, so, you know, live variables, you know, eventually that would, that would be interesting to try and master that as well. Um, and then who, who knows? I mean, I'm interested as well. Like what, what users, where users want to take it, um, what use cases there would be there. We may have graphing, um, to be able to be able to see, you know, graph different kind of data on, on the site and do comparisons. Um, I would hope we can do a lot of things algorithmically on predictions of values. Like say we can't find out, a value of something and we can try and infer it and we can try and predict what the value might be statistically um, that could be kind of interesting as well to if the data's not around but we can kind of guess what it could be um, based on stats and and seeing that in different contexts I think would be really interesting
0: it seems like the potential for golden is limitless and uh, that, that that's exciting as you paint this vision of of what it could be I have a, a couple more questions for you. Some uh, going a little bit away from golden, but you're definitely like you, you know, a very informed person. You've been in tech, you know, the last decade, you've invested in companies, you started two, exited one. I'd love to hear I'd love to hear what you think are some of the, the biggest problems, you know, in the world that you wish were were that you wish could be solved that might be outside of the realm of what you're working on.
1: Okay. So uh, let's, let's throw out some interesting ones. I
0: felt like the world doesn't have a roadmap.
1: Um, Imagine like roadmap.org. And I don't know if that URL is already taken, but we saw the world's problems, like literally your question, right? Where we saw a collaborative view or some kind of consensus view of the world's problems. Like let's just say carbon sequestering. And we saw every single different company, university, individual, any attempt that is being made and all the data around that to solve that problem. It might be, um, so there could be problems on a local level or a national level, but I feel like, you know, as a society, we have this like race, race going on between all these different countries, a lot of it's zero sum. And it's, it's a shame. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like that where we could like rewrite it and say, okay, well let's make, let's make a roadmap for the world for the world's problems. And, you know, people are going to have to argue about how to solve them, whether it's the right problem, whether solutions by good or bad, but at least there'll be some place to go and do it. And, you know, or look up, is anyone solving this? Who's solving it? Because there's, there's solutions that are going to come out from all different angles, from academia, from com- from companies, from individuals, from from maybe government even. Um, so the, yeah, so I'd love to see that. And then, and, and more um, narrowly, um, carbon, I mean this, this carbon issue or carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is kind of an interesting problem, right? So carbon sequestering, um, I recently read about a company that is doing, trying to print jet fuel from the air and obviously it needs energy as an injection from, you know, solar panels or the grid or whatever you want. And, you know, they pull in, um, they do like co-electrolysis, um, I think, and then they produce a kind of synthetic oil. And then from there they can make jet fuel It prints like a, a thousand liters per day. Um, which apparently runs a jet, jet engine for like a, a, a jet for like five minutes or something. So I don't know if all those numbers are right. I, I read this on uh, somewhere else uh, and it needs, needs fact checking, but that's, that's an interesting thing because it kind of got me thinking about there's a pr- you're putting a price now on carbon. So b- before it's like mining people mine from the ground and they mine from all these different places. And imagine if you mine from the air and you say, actually now the carbon dioxide has a value on it and maybe the economics don't work right now, but let's just say energy problems, energy gets, um, you know, solar panels improve and energy becomes more liquid. Maybe it won't. Maybe, it, maybe the economics will never work. But I think if the economics, you can get it to work, then you, you know, people will, will be distributed like mining could be distributed from the air where you're like actually people are racing now to like suck CO2 out of the air. Cause they're realizing it's super distributed and flexible and valuable and carbon is like an amazing, you know, um, way to store energy right um or maybe it doesn't go in that direction maybe maybe batteries we know battery technology is a really big problem and there's some, you know tesla doing really interesting stuff with that and maybe maybe we go into a future where you know we can get completely off that um, we don't need that kind of high density energy storage and we go into a battery area so so there, there's some areas um i think energy is one of the most interesting ones. food production is another one as well like moving off Animal um, moving off animal usage as much as possible. Um, antibiotic risk resistance issues that come from agriculture, and and the existential threats of antibiotic resistance are, are very interesting. Um, general longevity is a is a double edged sword, right? If you double the length of people's life, you know you, you you end up with resource problems as well. So I think society getting a sense of balance and understanding as you pull this string here. What happens to the ball? What happens to the ball if you've got this tangled string of, of knots? Um, and and um, edu- education, um, especially for like, younger um, younger people, in terms of like educating them and understanding, like personalized education based on how you think yourself and how even maybe your genes, um, you know, like point towards your education um, modes uh, or your upbringing, and 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 getting a grip on that would be really interesting because I think there's a we just throw all these people into a classroom, right? Um, and you're stuck in a classroom with 30 people and that kid at the back may may have an amazing potential and they get stuck necessarily learning in the kind of bulk way and the economics or the resources don't work in terms of um, just individually educating them. But if we had some software there, maybe the teacher, the human in the loop could help manage that student learning. So I think there's a bunch of stuff to do with education and there's obviously increasing costs going into education. So seeing that distributed... Um, At cheaper prices and leveling up every mind, like 10 billion, you know, how do you level up 10 billion mines? Um, I think there's so many interesting problems out there. I could I could talk about this for 25 hours if you wanted to
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I Think you uh, you touched on some um, really interesting ones and I agree there There's a lot out there, but for every problem I feel like there are there are people working on solutions in, in the startup world and just in the world in general Which is which is always exciting? I have a, a couple more questions for you um going back to golden um what about what about working on golden excites you the most you know, like when you wake up every day and you, you you're writing code or hiring people like what about it makes you so makes you so excited
1: I think it's the uncertainty of whether it can be pulled off or not is <laughs> is if this was a certain if this was an exact thing of a zero sum game kind of project where we we knew exactly. The route, the roadmap was super predictable for the next like five years. Um, that would not be so exciting. I think having problem sets on the micro, micro level, which might be a particular UI problem uh, to solve, or it might be an algorithmic problem to solve, or or a systems level um, problem to solve, or policy level. I think the, comp- the number of problems and, and choices and decisions and complexity is high, and that's good. That that's what that's what's interesting to me and then and then maybe less less um or more sorry more importantly not about like my perception of, of what's um interesting to me and and, and stimulating intellectually but um it's, it's just getting the information to other people is very satisfying um and and very exciting about knowing hey if we really do get scale that's like order of magnitude um larger than wikipedia in terms of the data that's serious that's serious business for the world and like we're not there yet right so we can't, we can't say we are there yet or, um, you know, so, so getting to that scale is where getting to a threshold where you think someone actually learned something from this that was useful and true and helped them. That is exciting. There's a threshold where you end up walking around, um, where you actually help someone learn something and not waste time and get on with their mission, whatever their mission may be, uh, all this pure learning, pure abstract learning. Um, also just getting, getting to grips with like, the, all the esoteric information that's hiding around and uncovering it. It's kind of like going into a library, a dusty library and saying, hey, we're gonna digitize this library, which is kind of like the internet. <laughs> and um, it's got all the information kind of out there and now we need to put it together. And you know, that is interesting. Um, and I think about the OED, um, the Oxford, Oxford English Dictionary and some of the stuff about how it was put together extremely manually. Um, and, 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 and almost like, uh, insanity level modes. Right. But it worked. And now we have this like great book with all the words in it. So, um, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm in, that's, that's, what's exciting to me. There's a lot of different problems. Um, and, and hopefully something like really useful for people every day.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And my last question for you is something that, that, that I always ask to every guest. It's, it's, you know, we have a lot of listeners that, That tune in and they want to start their own company. They're inspired by the guests and and they want to do it themselves, but they don't necessarily know the best first step to get started, the best way to to break into startups. What advice would you have for someone who wants to start their own company but doesn't necessarily know the the best first step?
1: I would say join a startup. I would say I joined, I worked for two startups um, the first time for free, and it was slightly miserable, but I learned a lot. As in, I was put in the basement of the Cambridge University Engineering Department, I worked for a solar power company, and they gave me an impossible problem that had not been solved in the industry. I didn't know it was an impossible problem, so I went into it naively just trying to solve this problem. I don't think I solved it, <laughs> but um, they, they gave me some kind of really hard problem, and they just said, okay, just go work on that for a couple of months. And the manager didn't check in with me, but I, I learned something, that you've got to figure out the context, and you've got to figure out, am I solving the right problem? Do, you know, what's the, I, you know, the whole picture was there to think of like, why I'm in the startup? What does a startup do? What problem are we trying to solve? Am I on the right problem? Am I, do I have a correct manager? How would I manage the situation? And you know, that, that was like interesting. Cause it was like almost, Hey, here's a whiteboard. Just go look at it for four months. Um, the other, the other one I looked at, the other one startup I joined and I do, yeah, I do think, um, to your main question, like joining a startup, and getting, joining a great startup as well is, is a really good way to see how it operates. And you can join at different levels. So you could join at you know a three-person startup and it's going to be pretty chaotic. Or you could join at a 15-person tw- a or a Series A or a Series B level company. So getting dabbling in different stages and getting a feeling of what the hell is it like to work at Google? What the hell is it like to work in a two-person basement startup? What the hell is it like to work in a 25 person series a or series b company if you get that kind of range of scale you might see what kind of company some people startups are not for them. they like bigger companies some people cannot operate in big companies they need to be in a startup so knowing that and then knowing what problem sets you want to solve and like looking in the mirror and saying you know what, what do i actually want to go solve in the next 10 years and not necessarily joining something um, well also you want to pick the right team as well so there's lots of different variables there: learning speed picking the right team Um, You could also go the other route and just try it. You could try your startup. It's a riskier route and I I did that um, Early when maybe I should have stayed around like learning from other startups And I just tried it and that that was a hard route and it's painful and you will fail over and over and over again And if you stick with it, maybe you'll get there
0: That is uh, very relatable (laughs) and with that, uh, I mean that's great advice and I, I appreciate you coming on and talking about golden and I'm really inspired by what you're working on. And I'm looking forward to seeing it grow into, into the vision that you painted. So thanks for coming on, Jude.
1: Yeah, thank you very much for the questions. It's really fun.